Hey, welcome all those tuning in on, uh, online. Thanks for tuning in with us. Uh, we're in week three of a series called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And uh, what I know about bad days is they happen to all of us. I don't know when they happen or what causes them a lot of times, but they just they happen. So we're going through a series that's leading up to Easter. Um, and it's, just, it's really it's taken from the, the life of Jesus, and it's his last moments on the cross. Uh, as he's as he's as he's suffering as he's dying on that cross and so it's good friday that we're studying and it's seven statements that he makes and so each week we're taking a statement and it's going to lead us up to easter and um you know for 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 us we call it good friday you know the friday before easter but the day before he was resurrected from the grave um which is a, a powerful day for us as, as as believers as christ followers it changes everything for us and so um good friday we call it good friday because of the results of what took place but I guarantee you on that day while Jesus was suffering, it was the furthest from being good in that moment. Um, but we see a lot of good in it. And so we take these statements and look at it. Um, in, in Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, uh, the, 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 the writer of Hebrews says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. So he's saying, look at Jesus. He, he's, he ran the race that we all want to ra- run, uh, a, a race that was successful, a race that he was proud of. Uh, he, was, he was aware. He, was, he paid attention. And he's saying this, when, when, we, when we're in our, living our life, if we'll look at the story of Jesus, it'll encourage us and help us. In fact, he says, study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. Um, he, he never lost sight. He knew what he was, was going to do. And because of that, he could have put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. He was able to, to deal with whatever came his way because he knew where he was, where he was heading. Uh, he knew the results that were going to come from it. And now he's there in place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again item by item. Go over it, that long litany of hostility that he had to push through, that he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And so what the writer is saying is, is on that, that is which started Thursday night uh, for, for Jesus, that bad day. And as it progressed, it got worse and worse and worse. It only became um, um, it, from bad to, to worse that, on that, that Good Friday. And so on Jesus' bad day, as he goes through all these different things that he's facing, um, he, he begins to, as, when they put him on the cross, he speaks out a few different things. And we find these, these lessons. And so the first week, uh, the first thing he said was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So the very first statement he makes while hanging on that cross is, God, forgive them. They don't even know what they're, what they're a part of. They don't know what's going on. And so the first lesson we said is uh, to, the way we need to live through a bad day is we need to forgive everybody who's trying to ruin our lives. Everybody who's causing the bad days, learn to forgive them. Learn to release them so you don't drag them with you throughout your whole life. Learn to let go. Um, we said he was facing betrayal, false accusation, rejection, abuse, humiliation. And in the middle of that, he was saying, God, forgive them. Uh, they don't know what they're causing. And we said the forgiven, they forgive. And so if we're going to follow Christ's example, we are forgiven because of the cross, because of what he's done. We also need to forgive, extend that forgiveness to others. Uh, lesson two, we said uh, um, the statement where he was talking to the, to the thief on the cross. He says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So as he's in his middle of his struggle, he's talking to somebody else that's also struggling. And he gives him hope, and he offers hope. And we said the second lesson was this. Offer others who are experiencing, uh, help others who are experiencing the same struggle uh, that you are. Maybe you've gone through in the past or that they're going through also. So help, help follow strugglers. When you do that, in the middle of your bad day, you look around, you pay attention. It does something in us. So essentially we said encourage those who are struggling or who are uncertain, those who don't have any hope. Offer hope, their stability, support, and even pointing to them that there's, there's going to be a better day at the end if they'll stick with it. Because uh, that distracts us from our own needs. Uh, it helps us to see solutions in our own, our own bad days. And it also keeps things in perspective for us. And we said that the way to forget about the pain is to help other people so you forget about yourself. 
The way to forget about the pain you're in is to help others. So you'll begin to, the pain will be minimized. You'll only focus on your pain and your bad day, but you'll help others. Um, I mentioned a book uh, last week called Hope in the Dark. And if you're ever in a series, in a a season where it's really difficult, or you know somebody that's going through a very difficult season, that's a great resource to pass on to them. Hope in the Dark by Craig Rochelle. And so if, if, you're struggling in the middle of, of the, the bad day that if God is really good, you know, that, to believe that God is good even when uh, life is not. And that's kind of the idea of the book. So if you're ever looking for a resource, that would be a good one to pass on to somebody or if you're needing that. Uh, because part of this series is going to unearth some things in us, and we have to have tools. And we're trying to give you some resources and ways to think about that, but that would be a good one to think about. Uh, so this last week, um, well, before I, before I start, let's say this. Um, um, I want you to imagine something with me, right? This is how we're going to start our message is, uh, imagine with me as we jump into week three uh, that today is your funeral. All right, your funeral is happening today. You're in the casket. You are dead. Um, you're going to have some close people around you. Five or six people are going to get up today, and they're going to say some things about you. Uh, so just do me a favor. Imagine, imagine that scenario with me and begin to think about the people that are going to say something. Uh, those people, who, they, who, who those people, who are they going to be? Maybe it's um, uh, a parent maybe a sibling, maybe a a family member like a spouse or some kids, maybe a close friend. Those people that know you the best, they're going to stand around uh, that that day and they're going to say some things about it. They're going to summarize what you've meant to them. What are they going to say about you? Wow, this is a great way to start a message, right? I'm dead. (laughs) People are going to talk about me. Wow, that's a depressing thought, right? Or a positive thought, I guess, in some ways. But but if you you begin to think about this, see, the, the, the Hebrews said this, that the reason Jesus was able to plow through and make it through bad days is because he knew it wasn't the end of the story. There was something else that was coming. He had the end in mind. In fact, one of the books I read a long time ago about how to, how to be successful and live effective, um, effective lives, the author, this is one of the main exercises he has you do in the beginning of the book to, to talk about one of the main points. And the main point was this, those that are successful, those that are effective in life, they start with the end in mind. So they're not just going through life kind of like, we'll see what comes, but they're saying, hey, that's the end results that I want. Those are the things I want people to say about me. These are the things that I hope they'll say about me. And then you begin to live a life that would lead towards that. Uh, those that don't, they don't know what people are going to say because they have no idea. They just kind of went for as, as they moved along. But what if in our life we would live in such a way that we're pretty confident that we know what those that are closest to us would say about us? Um, that that when, when we're in the middle of what we're going through, that we don't neglect those that are closest to us. Uh, I, don't know if, I don't know about you, if you ever had a bad day and, and your day uh, it travels with you from, from work or from school or from whatever, and whenever you get home, it's like the bad day just continues, right? And it's like, oh, great. Everybody's like, and your family's like thinking, oh, man, now they have a bad day, so now it means I have to have a bad day. Like, this is, everybody has a bad day now. And nobody appreciates that. And so um, today we're going to talk about that, is, is what would it look like if, if we were aware of our, the impact that we have on those closest to us? And what if we paid attention? And we'll see the story of Jesus. Uh, so this week, uh, my kids were on spring break this past week, and uh, I was able to go skiing with my son and a couple of our friends. And, uh, when, and we had a great time, you know, even while we're skiing and learning. I'm proud of my son because he's, he's just learning how to ski, and he's pushing himself, so he's, he's falling. And every time he would fall, I would celebrate the falls because I want him to know that that's a part of skiing. You have to go through it, you know. So some would think that's part of being a bad day, but that's, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a moment you can learn and grow through those things. And so instead of seeing this bad, I see it as something that's good. But when we were on this trip, uh, one of my friends told me about um, another father who took his son skiing, his kid skiing. And uh, their day wasn't as, ex- well, it was more exciting than my day. Um, but it, was, it, w- it would be the definition of a bad day, right, a bad moment. And um, I want to show you a video, uh, some footage of that bad day that this father had with his kids. And uh, we'll, one thing that I want you to think about is um, when, when you're having a bad day, 
uh, when those closest to you respond with grace, when those closest to you respond to help in a helpful way, it makes a big difference. Um, and today I'm going to hope that we'll be able to see that when we respond correctly to those closest to us and help them, um, it's, it's, it makes a difference in their lives. So watch, watch this video for me. They were breathtaking moments, all captured on video. Just after an eight-year-old boy and his family load the Screaming Eagle chairlift, the child is dangling. His father's grasp, all that's keeping the boy from falling an estimated six meters. There was a man with a kid struggling to keep the kid in the chair um, and yelling for the operator to stop the chair. But the operator didn't hear because the music was too loud. And so the chair keeps on going up and up and up. Then something incredible happens. Five young boys, just 13 and 14 years old, create a makeshift rescue trampoline. So I pointed to the net up there and I said, you go grab the net and me and Josh will go and run and get this padding. So then I ran up behind him and helped him strip that off and then go and put it on the block, thing that blocks it off. Well, and I yelled up and I said, okay, you need to take your skis off because if you fall with your skis on, it's probably going to be worse. And then at one point we were just, okay, you just need to trust us, you just need to drop. And so then he dropped, we caught him. Wow, they're heroes. The little boy was unharmed. He was just like kind of sitting there like on the mat, just like his face was just like, just like, yeah. He didn't really know what to think, I don't think. Here at the District of North Vancouver, Mayor Mike Little has told Global News that the boys were creative, courageous, and heroic. And it's so impressive. 13, 14 year olds, they thought quickly. I'm thinking, like, where are all the adults here? It's like, that's a five minute video of this guy dangling, and there's not a single adult out there helping these, these guys, which I think it's awesome, though. It just shows that um, those, the, literally, those that were closest to this person were actually the ones that responded and helped. And this father, I'm sure, is so grateful, and that boy is so grateful that uh, it, was, it was not as bad as it could have been, um, but they paid attention. In our lives, when we pay attention to those nearest to us and we take care of them, it makes a difference. Um, in, we're going to look at the third, the third statement Jesus makes on the cross. So John 19, uh, 25 through 27, it says this, that near the cross of Jesus, Jesus' Jesus's mother was there, right? So stood his mother, his mother's sister. And his, his uh, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there's a lot of Marys in this, in this moment, right? There's a, they're all standing around this cross. So Jesus is on the cross. And we've seen that he's already made a couple statements. God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he talks to the, the thief next to him. Uh, now he's about to make his third statement. And, and the, the, uh, John is saying there's, these, there's followers with him. There's people around him. There's those that were closest to him. They were in this moment. They're with him. And it says that when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, so the disciple near, saying nearby that Jesus loved, that's John. He's writing the story, but he's not bringing attention to himself. He's saying, because we know, know John is, is uh, the beloved disciple. He was the closest to Jesus, right? So Jesus loved John uh, a lot. And so um, it says he's standing nearby, and, and he says to his mom, this is the statement, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And so the statement Jesus makes is while he's on the cross, He's saying, all right, Mary, here's, here's John. John, here's Mary. Um, please 
take my responsibility of taking care of my mom and, and take it upon yourself. And he passes the responsibility that he had onto the disciple that he trusts to be able to care for his mom. So the backstory here is uh, theologians believe Joseph was much older than Mary, so most likely he died some, at some point where, where during, the, during the transition from when Jesus was a young boy, like a, a, a young student of 12, to somewhere around 30 or so. Somewhere in that time frame, uh, Joseph died. And so Jesus has been the oldest son, the oldest child, it was his responsibility to take care of the family business and take care of his family, take care of his mom, who was a widow. And so in this moment, while Jesus is on the cross, he's suffering. He, he's already, his bad day has already been really bad, and it, it increasingly just got worse and worse. And he's there. In the middle of that, he takes a moment to say, all right, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of those that are closest to me. I'm going to take a moment to make sure that I take care of my responsibilities. And Jesus models for us in this, in this moment of bad day how he can also help those that are closest to him. So when he says woman, we think of that in our culture like, man, Jesus, this guy's like a, he's a macho man, right? Like, hey, woman, listen up, right? That's not it at all. Uh, he, woman here would be more like ma'am um, or dear woman, right? It, it's, a, it's a very, um, um, it's a, night, a, a way to show respect to his mother. And, and they, as, as theologians believe, the reason he didn't say mother is because that would only cause more pain in that moment. Your son that you love is on this cross dying, and you're only going to remind her more of that relationship. So instead of reminding her using a word that would cause more pain, he actually chooses a word that shows endearment and respect of saying, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to respect you here. So woman, here is your son. Here's John. And John, here is your mother. And so he, he asks a close friend, somebody he can trust, to take care of his mother. And this time as Mary, if she was a widow... Um, in, in, in that culture, uh, she would be in a very vulnerable place if she didn't have family members taking care of her. And Jesus knew this. So in the middle of his bad day, he takes a moment to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle up things the way they need to be taken care of. I'm going to take care of those that are close to me. I'm going to take care of my mom. And so we see the third lesson of Jesus' words. Lesson number three is this. Be sure you've taken care of those near you. Make sure that you take care of those that are closest to you. Those that are the family members, the siblings, the, uh, the, the spouse, the parents, uh, the kids, right? Those are the close friends. Make sure those in your life that are closest to you, make sure that you've taken care of them in the middle of your bad days. Because uh, a lot of times in the middle of our bad days, we don't think about anybody else but ourselves. And in this moment, Jesus is saying, I'm going to model for you how to, get, how to make it through bad, live through bad days. Is don't just pay attention to yourself. In fact, what we've seen so far, the pattern of these three statements, is Jesus is saying, it's not about me. It's not about me. I'm focused on others. I'm looking at how I can use my life to help others. Even in his bad day, he's saying, how can I take care of those closest to us, to me? Uh, Jesus speaks to each of us in our bad days, in the bad days of our lives, to refuse to allow our present pain to dull our sensitivity to the needs of others who depend on us. So he's speaking to us in the middle of our bad days so that we don't become dull and insensitive, but rather that we look around and say, okay, what are those closest to me? What are they going through? What is, how is this affecting them? So yeah, I'm in a bad day. I'm going through something that's difficult, but how is it affecting them? And he shows this awareness of being sensitive to those that are closest to us. See, throughout Scripture, over and over, God says, you, you have responsibilities, so parents, you have responsibility to raise your kids. Kids, you have responsibility to obey your parents and to honor your parents. Um, workers, you have responsibility to, to honor your, your, your employer, right, your bosses. Uh, bosses, you have a responsibility to take care of those that are under your care. Um, and, and throughout over and over, it's all about these relationships with one another. And in our society, we have some challenges because um, we have a lot of people who are very unhealthy when it comes to relationships because it's been modeled incorrectly, because of selfishness, because of uh, uh, sin, because of different 
poor choices that people make. And so in this, in this message, I, 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 there's going to be a little bit of tension, I think, in this room of saying, okay, but you don't know my, my story. Like, I don't even know how to do this. Like, all that was modeled for me was bad days all the time. I don't even know what a good day looks like, like when it comes to family and stuff like that. Well, in this, we're going to say, but there's a better way. And, and God is always modeling for us health and a healthy way to approach things. And so in this, he's saying that. And so throughout scriptures, when it encourages us, there's a, a passage in Ephesians I'm going to read. And Paul is, it's one of the passages we see where he really talks about family. Um, and Paul's really good at addressing relationships and saying, hey, make sure that in your, in your pursuit of life and pursuit of things, you don't neg- neglect or forget about the most important things. Um, because like Jesus said, what, what, what benefit is it if we gain everything, gain the whole world, but we lose our soul? I would say you can even add on to that saying, um, what, what's the benefit if you gain everything you want to gain, but you lose your family in the process of that? It's kind of like the similar ideas. You don't, want to, you don't want to lose what's most valuable for the sake of something that really we think is valuable, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter as much as those that are closest to us. So Ephesians 6, 1 through 9, this is the message paraphrase. It says this, children, do what your parents tell you. Um, this, is, this is only right. So essentially he's saying, children, obey your parents and the Lord, right? This is a, th- th- what he means is accept their guidance and their discipline as his representative. So, so kids in this room, if you have a, your parents, he's saying God has is, is put them as his representative over your life. Learn to respond to them like you would to God um, for, for, because it's right. And essentially, for their, for, because obedience to them is going to teach you wisdom, it's going to teach you self-discipline. One of the reasons we respond to authority correctly is because it teaches us uh, discipline and it teaches us um, wisdom, self-discipline and, and wisdom. And he goes on and says this, honor your father and mother, and he's quoting the Old Testament, that the, one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother because it's the first commandment that has a promise that's attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long wife. So he's saying esteem, value as precious your father, your mother. Be respectful to them because there's a promise that comes with it. And he says this is the first promise. If you'll do this, you're gonna, things are going to go well with you and you're going to have a long life. Uh, so if you're, for us in this room, if you're a student, if you're a kid, um, if you have parents still, when you honor them, God honors you by honoring them. Why? Because they're a representative uh, for God to us. And he's saying if you learn this principle. In fact, I think um, if I see a lot of kids when, when, when I'm counseling families or I'm talking to families and their kids are doing something really foolish, um, the kid would have saved themselves a lot of heartache and a lot of uh, um, difficulty if they would have just listened to the advice their parents gave them. But for whatever reason, because they were in a rush, they didn't want to wait, um, or they just didn't think their, their parents had the, the wisdom to, to help them, they get in these situations that then cause some issues. And, and God is saying, the reason I'm giving you that is because I want to help you to learn um, wisdom and self-discipline if you'll just stick, if you'll follow my, the way I do things. The second part of this, second group of people he talks to is fathers. This means parents, not just like a, the, the man, but just parents in general. Parents, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. So don't frustrate your kids by always coming down hard on them, expecting too much of them. Do, like he's saying, be aware of how you're, you're, the impact you're having on your kids. Parents, be, be, pay attention to it. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. So notice the difference. It's a, it's a contrast here. Instead of just demanding and coming down hard on them, you begin to model and show for them what, what, what they're supposed to do. Because the truth is, and this happens to, to all of us, is we, we become like those uh, that we hang around with. Um, so our, the kids, as we raise them, they're going to become like us. So if we're always hard, they're going to become hard. If we're if, with the way we, we approach things, they'll learn to approach things the same way. And that's some of the challenges we have in our culture is it's not been modeled well for us how to have healthy relationships. So, so Jesus is saying this. Paul is saying, let me, let me teach you how to do this. And then he goes on to the third group of people, servants. 
Um, we can say these are those that are under somebody's authority. This would be workers. If you work for somebody and that you have a boss, this would be talking to you. He says, respectfully obey your earthly masters um, and always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. Uh, don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do. Uh, so he's saying be obedient to your earthly masters. Respect that authority with a sincere heart. Uh, seeking to please them, but because as you do that, you're actually serving God and pleasing them. And he, he goes on and says this, and this is how you do it. You work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, doesn't matter who's giving the orders, you're really serving God. You're really working for God. So good work will get you a good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are a slave or free. So whether you choose to do this work um, on your own free will or because you're, somebody's asking you to do this work and you really don't want to do it, he's saying regardless, if you'll be faithful, if you'll do it with, as unto God, you're going to get a good reward for that. And he's saying just, just do your work. Remember, they're a representative. Don't forget that you're serving, them, you're working for them, but you're really working for me, and I'm watching all the time. And then he talks to the fourth group people, masters. These would be the bosses, the employers. He says, bosses, it's the same with you. No abuse, please. No threats. You and your servants are both under the same master in heaven. He makes no distinction between you and them. So he's saying those that are in authority, those that are in authority of others. Essentially, you're a delegated authority. God is saying, I've delegated you as the authority over them. Don't forget that. Uh, the same way that you have uh, authority over them, I have authority over you. Uh, so master, do the same. Show goodwill towards them. Um, and give up threatening and abusive words, knowing that it's God who's watching. It's God who's put you there. Don't forget that. And so these four categories, we see that Paul challenges us. He says this, children, honor your parents. Right? So, so pay attention. There's, when you do this correctly, there's promises that come with it. Parents, lead by example. Uh, make sure you pay attention to how you're leading, what you're doing. Workers, uh, respond and work as if you're doing it to God. And then bosses, um, God is your boss. Don't forget that. Honor, uh, respond respectfully. Uh, do what's right. Uh, keep doing that. So it, um, as we talk through taking care of those closest to us, uh, Paul is saying in, in our relationships, make sure you pay attention to this. Uh, we see in the story that Jesus says this fourth, this third statement that he makes is there's some principles that we could pull out of it. Uh, the first one is this, be aware. Uh, we have to be aware. And when I say be aware, that means um, when, you're, when you're interacting with those that are closest to you, what are the things that you're saying? What is the attitudes that you're coming with? How are you responding? Um, when, when they do something you don't like, how, what's the reaction that comes from it? Um, when you're talking about things, what words are coming out of your mouth? Like if there's a lot of I's and me's and it's all about you, um, that's a, it, that points to that you're only focused on yourself. Uh, but if there's we's and us and, and them, that's a good indication that you're, you're aware of what's going on. But it's being aware. How is your, how is your attitude um, bleeding into the, into, the, into the day? When you come home with a bad day and everybody's like, oh, great, uh, we all have to have a bad day now. Be aware of that. How is it affecting the family? How is it affecting those around you? Um, what, what's taking place in there? I heard, I heard a story about a, a pastor in South Korea. He has the largest church in the world. And uh, this pastor, one day, uh, his kids, after church is over, they're about to go home. His kids all bring up their, their, their uh, luggage, luggage and their pillows, and they come on the stage of the church. And the pastor's like, guys, what are you doing? We're not, we're not having like a sleepover or anything here at church. Like, get your stuff. Let's go home. And they're like, no, Dad, we want to stay here. He's like, no, no, we can't stay here. Like, this is the church. We stay at the house. We have beds over there. Let's go over there. And he says, no, Dad, we, we want to stay here. And he says, what do you mean you want to stay here? And he says, well, we like this dad better. And, and they said, this dad is fun. This dad, he, he pays attention to us. This dad, he's aware. At home, that dad is grumpy. That dad is no fun to be around. So we made a decision. <laughs> we want to be with this dad, not with that dad. 
And it said that moment he realized that he'd become, he, he treated his family different than he, than he was treating people in the church. He treated his family differently at home than he was when, they, when he was with other people. And they, they caught on to it. Essentially, they were saying, Dad, you're two people. You're one person here, which is really great, and you're a different person over there we don't like. So we'd rather stay here with this dad. And they were young, and it made him realize, I need to be consistent in the way I'm living. And I can't treat the people that I won't be with forever um, better than the, the, the people I will be with forever. Some of the best advice I got when I was young, a young pastor, is, you know, one, another pastor said, don't forget, Eric, uh, to take, take care of your family. Because at some point, if God moves you on, all those people that you're serving and, and as a pastor and you're loving on, they're not going to go with you to the next place, but your family will. And if you don't take care of them, they're going to resent you when you go to the next place. And the people that you serve so hard and treated so nice, they're going to wave at you goodbye. But you'll be with your family. Don't ever forget that. There's great advice. He's saying, don't put others as more important than really what, who's supposed to be first. So God's first, but then family is the next thing on our list that God says take care of. Those are your responsibilities. Respond to God, but then respond to your family. And then if we do it God's way, everything else is taken care of in an orderly way. And so um, it, we see this in John 19. So it says, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. So Jesus is on the cross. He just said his first two statements, and now he, he's about to say his third statement. He, he looks around. He's aware of what's going on. And what does he do? He sees his mom. He sees his, John the disciple, and he says, I'm going to do something about this. So we need to be aware. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. If we're going to serve those nearest to us and, and help them and take care of them, the second is this. Know the time. You have to be aware of the time, and you have to be aware of how much time you have with people and, and use that time wisely. Uh, the Bible says those that are, that, are, that are aware of that, that they're counted as wise, that they understand that there's um, a span in our life, that it's not forever. Here on earth, it's only a limited time. We have to be aware of that. Uh, we have to be, pay attention um, and, and, and know to, to act and do things now, not to push off and wait. Um, on, in, in our uh, church, we have a, uh, a curriculum that we use for, for kids' ministry called Orange. And there's an app that you could download called the Parent Q app. And on the app, it gives you – so today they're watching a video. They're doing small groups. They're learning things. Um, on the app, if you open it up, it gives you the lessons they learned and some questions to ask them and some memory verses. So a way the parents can engage throughout the week about what they've learned. Well, on this app, they also have this feature. When you enter your kids' in, information into it, it lets you know how much time you have with your kids. So this is from last night. I took some pictures from my app. Uh, this is, these are my kids up on the, on the screen. So my son, I've had him for 659 weeks as a father. That's how many weeks I've already spent with my son. Um, I have 331 weeks until graduation, or until most likely he'll move on to the next, uh, to the next stage of his life. He might, might have a little more weeks if he stays a little longer, but that's up until graduation. So this app figures that there's approximately 936 weeks that we have with our kids before they graduate. Um, and then obviously we'll have more time going on, but that's where we have the most influence in their life. Uh, so for my daughter, I only have 435 weeks left with her. Uh, my other daughter, I have 591 weeks left with, of influence in her life that I'll have under my, in my, under my roof. And then my youngest, 710 weeks. What does this do? It tells me I have to know the time, that my time is limited, that I can't forget about it. So parents, if you're here today, you don't have this app, uh, if you go to the next one for me, uh, it's just called the Parent Q. Go download it on your phone. And every day, uh, Mondays, it'll send you a reminder and uh, send you some encouragement as a parent. It's just a, a great way to say, know the time that you have. Be aware of that because it moves it, you, you won't have them forever. Um, we recently, we, were, um, we went to my, my in-laws uh, for her birthday. We went and took her a gift, hung out with her. And uh, her, her, um, my wife's father was telling a story. And it was a funny story. And after the story, I said, have you heard this story before? And she's like, no, I never heard this story. 
I'm like, man, I'm so glad we're here to hear this story because I've never, we never heard the story before. And spending time with others, just knowing the time you have, it's important because you won't be with them forever. So pay, pay attention to the people around you, and don't don't. Because um, here's the thing: it's not a single day that makes the difference, but the difference is always made in those in those moments in those days. It's it's a week by week, and we can't forget about that. And too many, I think what happens is too many times we try to catch up on the end. Like, oh no, I only have one more, like a few weeks left. I'm going to do a lot. No, no, you, you do a little bit now over time, and you'll, you'll be able to make a bigger difference in their lives. Ephesians five fifteen through 16 says this, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. So Paul's saying, pay attention. Your life is going to fly by. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, do it now. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Learn to, to be focused. Learn to be aware and know how much time you have with those around you. So be aware, know the time. Number three is be present. Learn to be present. In our world, we live in a very highly distracted world. They, they say that we look at our phone um, up to ten times an hour. That's how many times we'll be on this phone, um, that we'll, we'll pick it up and look at the screen. Well, there needs to be times where we have to be present. When my son was really young, um, he, would, he, would, he had gotten this habit of saying, data, 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 data. And it would take him five times before I would respond. And at one point, I was like, why do you say my name so much? Like, it's, and my wife finally said, you know why he does that? I'm like, no. He's like, because that's how many times it takes him to get your attention. I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And sometimes it still happens. My kids do the same thing. I'm, I'm focused on I forget it. But I've, I'm learning to say, how can I be present in this moment where I turn off the distractions, where I, I'm aware of what's going on? Um, I heard a, a man um, um, on a podcast this week. He was talking about how in, in his life, the job he has is, is high demand and there's a lot of stress. And so for a long time, he'd bring his stress home from, with work. And his bad day would become everybody else's bad day. And everybody felt it. And, and he said, I have to change this. And so he, changed, he, he made an agreement. And he, he changed something he did. He said, um, I'm going to give my, myself permission to think about work up until this certain point on his drive home. So he made a marker. It was like a mile or two out. And there was this marker. And he knew once he passed it, he had to turn off the work thoughts. He had to, he had to close it down until later on that night or until the next day. He knew those problems would be there again tomorrow. And he said he changed from that moment on. He says, now it's family time. Now it's me thinking about what's next. And he said it changed because instead of going into the house thinking, oh, man, my day's bad. I hope it's not worse, right? Instead of doing that, he turned it off. He began to think about this. He opened the doors like, hey, how are you guys doing? And he began to ask more questions of people rather than just coming in and saying, you'll never know about my day. This is horrible, whatever, you know, just spewing all of them. He learned to say, I'm going to make this transition. So maybe for you, that's a tool you need. You need to figure out what is that marker where you could turn it off so you can be who you need to be for those that are closest to you and not give them the worst, but give them the best. And then the final one is that, is, is give, them the, give, the, give your best. So be aware, know the time, be present, but give your best to those who matter most. Um, one of the things that I, I would say is when you think positive things about those that are close to you, make sure you say it. Don't just think it. Tell them. They, they did something for you. Let them know you appreciate that, and it was good. Don't miss those opportunities. I think sometimes when we think something, they already know what we're thinking, and they don't. Uh, they don't know that you're thinking good things. You learn learn to share that. But giving your best. Um, John 19, in this verse, it says, When Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple he loved, he said, Woman, here's your son, and the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took, him, took her into his, into his home. So Jesus gave his mom the best that he could give at that moment. I'm sure there's other scenarios you could think of a better scenario, but he gave the best that he could give at that moment. We, the question is, where were his brothers? He had brothers. Where were they? Well, the Bible says they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe he really was, was God. And he had a disciple there he could trust. So rather than passing the responsibility on to maybe hopefully someone will take care of it, he passed the responsibility on to somebody that he knew would take care of it. And he gave the best that he could give 
um, um, to, to, to his mother, mother to be able to serve her. Uh, Colossians 3, uh, 23 to 25 says this. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into, into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. See, the sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. I'm going to read that again because if you're a Christ follower, you need to know that we're representing God in the things we do. When you show up to work, you're not just doing it for your boss. You're doing it for God. And if you're doing shoddy work, he's saying you'll be held responsible. Like you'll miss these opportunities. In fact, he says being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up for bad work. Don't use it as an excuse to do poor work because for whatever reason, like, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's not, it's not spiritual whatever. No, it matters. God is watching. Do the best that you can with what's in front of you. Um, I heard a great definition by John Maxwell about success. He says this, that success is when those closest to you, they think the most of you. That's success. Not having the big house, not having all the money, because you can have the big house and all the money and the people closest to you, they hate your guts, right? That's not success. Because when you get there, you'll realize, like, I have this all, but I really have nobody to share it with. Like, this is not fun. But when you don't have those things, but the people closest to you think the most of you, life is still good because they want to be around you. When you show up, are they thinking, oh, boy, what are we going to get? Here comes another bad day, possibly. Or are are they going to be in the habit of saying, okay, he's ready to engage with us or she's ready to engage with us. Those who think the most of you. Uh, those that are with you, the, with you the, the closest, they should think the most of you. Um, the, the exercise I gave us in the beginning of service, right? Imagine it's your funeral. You're dead, but you're able to listen into the conversation, what, the things that people are saying about you. What are the people that know you the most are going to say, say about you? Are they going to um, think the most of you and speak those things of you? Or are they going to be quiet and say, I don't really know what I can say? I've been in the funerals where not a lot of people talk because... Maybe they don't have anything nice to say or they just don't know what to say. And I've been to the funerals where nonstop people that loved him came up or her came up over and over and just shared about the impact they had and the time they took. Why? Because those people took care of the people that were closest to them. They didn't neglect those opportunities. If it was your funeral today, what would the people say about you? And then, good thing, it's not your funeral today, right? You're with me? I'm alive still. I don't have to die. And then plan backwards saying, all right, what do I want those people to say about me? What do I want my spouse to say about me? This week, when I end this week, every week I come home, what, what do I want to say about this week? Like, man, you did a good job not bringing all your stress home with you. That was great, right? What do my kids want them to say about me? Dad, you were really present this week in those moments. Thank you for that. What, what is it? And you begin to plan backwards. Here's my challenge for the day. Uh, would you go above and beyond for those closest to you? This could be on a daily basis. This could be a one-time thing this week, whatever it is. But would you go above and beyond for those that are closest to you? Like, would you take a moment in your day? Maybe it's the planning, right? You get the app and you say, God, help me to plan wise with my, wisely with my kids. And how do, you, how do you utilize my time? God, help me to set markers in my life. When I'm driving down the road and I see that marker, I say, okay, now it's time to be able to, to put my father hat on, to put my husband hat on, and be the best that I can be for those around me. So be aware, be present, and give the best you can. You have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're gonna, you, won't, you won't make it to the destination you want because you won't know where you're going. So this week, as we look at Jesus' life, we realize that he, even in his bad day, he was aware of those that were around him, and he gave the best that he could, he could give. He was able to, to help those closest to him and serve them and help them. And in our culture, 
If you're, if you're here today and, and you struggle with relationships because maybe it wasn't modeled for you well, this is one of the reasons we have small groups. You need to get around people that are good at the things you're not good at and be challenged with those things so you can become better. Um, we have leadership small groups. We have parenting small groups. We have different small groups that happen throughout the year. And if, if you're not good at it, you need to, to, to get others who have been there before to help you on this journey. And, and that way you can get healthy. Because over and over the Bible is saying, I want you to become healthy people, individuals. Because the way that you respond and interact with others, it matters. It makes a difference. Um, so I want to just challenge that. So go above and beyond. Take care of those that are closest to you. All right? Awesome. If you're here today, and as I talked about Jesus and the example he gave us, and today you're here, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, I would love to give you an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I, I want to learn how to be a healthy individual. I want to learn to be able to let God lead my life. See, a Christian just means that we're following Christ's lead. We're following his example. And I believe there's some people here today that you've been doing your own thing, and it's not working. And God says, if you will follow my lead, it'll work out. If you'll give me the ability to lead you on this journey, it'll work out. The Bible says if you call out to God for salvation, he responds, and he gives you salvation. He gives you help. That's the reason he died on the cross is so we can have a, a new way to come back to God. We can have a way to, to have a right standing with him. So the Bible says that if you'll repent, repent means that you're going one direction and your choices are leading to something that's not good. Repentance means that you break away from those things, those addictions, those struggles, those attitudes, and you turn away from those and you say, God, I'm going to go your direction. That's all repentance means. So you say no to the past, you say yes to the future that God has for you. And today, some of you in this room, you need to repent. You need to turn away from things that don't work and say, God, I want to go the direction you're going. That is why Jesus died on that cross for us, to model for us how to, be, how to live a life that was going to make an impact on others, but also how to, make, how to live a life that's going to uh, do good and help others. And today, if you're here, I would love to lead you in a prayer. It's an invitation to relationship of saying, God, I'm going to turn from, that, from, from my past and I'm going to move your direction. The Bible says we confess our wrongs, our sins, and we, we invite him in. He responds and begins to lead us in a new way. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? If you're here today and that's you, you'd say, um, I've been doing my own thing and it's not working. And I want to invite God to lead me on this journey. You're talking about living through bad days. And I want to have the tools and resources that God has for me. And I want him to lead me on this. I want to give my life to him today to, to follow his example you're here today, I would love to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. Uh, but if that's you, you're here today, and you say, God, I want, I want to take that step towards you. Um, maybe for some of you for the first time, some of you maybe you walked away from God, and you need to say, God, I'm coming back. If that's you today, would you let me know you're here by lifting your hand right there in your seat? Awesome. See a few hands. God, I, I come back towards you. I, come, I turn to you. Awesome. A lot of hands have gone up. Anybody else? Opportunity, that's you? Saying, that's me. I want to pray the prayer. I want to give God my life. Awesome. For you that raise your hand, uh, just repeat this prayer after me. And uh, if you're a Christian and Christ follower in the room, would you pray with us so they're not praying alone? Just say this today if you raise your hand. Say, Father God, today I give you my life. I ask you to help me on this journey. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin my choices that have led me away from you. Today, I put my trust in you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have a way back to you, so I could have a new life. I put my trust in you today. Lead me.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.